Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless and enjoy this week's message. Can we give a big Promise Center welcome? to Torn Wells. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, that'd be good if he almost saved you. That'd be good if he almost redeemed you. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Oh, y'all sat down. We just got started. Come on, stand up on your feet. And give God a shout of praise. You are holy. You are awesome. You are wonderful. You are amazing. The whole earth is filled with your glory, God. Hallelujah. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you your voice, lift your hearts, lift your hands, and declare the greatness of God. My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. Do you believe that he's great in this house today? that your circumstance was great that the struggle is great that the difficulty is great but I've got good news for you our God is greater he's greater than sickness he's greater than disease he's greater than fear he's greater than depression he's greater than anxiety he's greater than worry he's greater than your brokenness he is greater than your difficulty is greater yeah, yeah. 
just here, Paul told Timothy to fan into flames the gift of God. The gift of God is our faith. It's a work of the Spirit that allows us to believe that our God is greater than anything that we walk through. And I came here this morning with one intention, and that is to fan the flame of your faith. I hope that this morning, that where you felt like it was impossible, you realize it's possible. Where you felt like it was the end, you would realize it's just the beginning. Jesus said it was finished so that we could start and that we could start afresh and start again. I hope that this morning your faith and your belief is fanned into a flame that consumes every worry and every doubt that would be resident in your heart. Is your faith alive this morning? I'm so thankful to be at the Promise Center this morning. You may be seated. Uh, I've been here several times, and to see every stage and every phase uh, that's happened just in the last five or six years that I've been coming here has been absolutely amazing. And I believe that it takes great leaders to raise up great churches. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Chad and Heidi for Mikey and Charity, for Mario and Jen, the leaders in this house, Chad and Heidi are some of the most amazing people. I feel like they are the gold standard for godly leadership, and uh, I'm so grateful. Chad is, like, brilliant. We were sitting down talking last night, and I was just sitting back down there. He was talking about how you hate people that are really, really talented, but I hate people that are really, really, really smart because for some reason I ain't get all that. So we sitting over there, he's sharing all this, and I'm like, bro, that's just so good. I'm like, okay, but seriously, where did you get that? And then he's like, well, I don't really know. I'm like, no, bro, what book? Point me to a book, bro. He's like, I just don't know. I'm just that smart, bro. And uh, he didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. And uh, I, I just, I celebrate him, the gift that he is to this city, this state, this country, the world. And uh, I know that you all are so grateful for him. I also know, though, that great churches are not built by the talents of a few, but by the sacrifices of many. And so I celebrate how you all contribute day in, day out on a weekly basis, making this a beacon of hope and light and love in this city. Are you thankful for your church? Hey! Hey, hey, all right now. You know, a lot of people ask me, um, like, how, how do you become a musician and uh, an artist? And I really feel like I, I became a musician by default. Like, I, I think musicians are what people that are bad at school become. You know what I'm saying? Anybody, like, did it, am I alone? Did anyone else struggle a little bit through school? You just, you were there, social. You know, you excelled in other areas besides your schoolwork. You know what I mean? And then how many of you guys, you're like awesome students? Yeah, raise your hand. You were a great student. Some of y'all aren't raising your hands at all. So maybe y'all didn't go to school. I don't know. 
if that's like a thing out here, we just skipped it entirely. You're just back there. You're trying to le read the lyrics, but you didn't go to fifth grade. Um, how many of you guys loved school? You were like the student that your peers and your teachers just, okay, I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like any of y'all. And let's be honest, guys. You guys don't like me either. Because somehow I made it through, and you guys worked like 10 times as hard as I did, and here I am, and you drink a little haterade right now, eating on some hater tots, like, man, I went to school, went to college and all that. I didn't finish college. I left after year three, and you guys are like, wow, I don't want my kids hearing this. This is terrible. Look at your ears. I liked learning, but I didn't really like school. I liked the stuff that came with school. You know, sitting in the back of the classroom, you know what I'm saying, talking a little shoddy on the left, shoddy on the right, you know, slipping them little papers that used to fold up and just press into pockets and write on pencil. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about in here. See, I excelled in the areas that you were written up for. And then now, like, those are the things that I've used to build a life on. You know, like, he talks too much in class. I, I just call that networking. That That's a... That was the gift that God placed in my life. Like, I'm going to have to learn how to communicate. I'm going to communicate in the classroom. You know what I'm saying? That, that's just, that's how I, I, I feel about it right there. You know, they, they would try to say he's a little bit too rambunctious. He's singing and, and humming and drumming on the desk too much. I say, I'm a creative. You know, I got to figure out how to express myself. And now, you know, I'm singing and traveling all over. Got a couple Grammy noms. They were trying to kill that. God was trying to bring it to life. I just, I don't know. Like those very same things that they hated on were the things that are now the tools that I used to do what I do. It wasn't a super enjoyable experience for me, though. One day in particular, I held in great disdain. Y'all know what I'm talking about with this, too. Parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> oh, you know that's not of the Lord. Why would he ever have people going into a room gossiping, doing the devil's work? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Why y'all going to go in there and set up a meeting about me? Get yourself saved, sir, ma'am. Got a little meeting going in there talking about you behind your back. You ain't got no say, can't defend yourself. Parent-teacher conferences were the original Facebook. Just people just talking about, ain't got no clue. This is how it would go for me. We'd go into the classroom, and my teacher, you know, put on a great front, up front, and I'm just like, okay, I'm good, you know, smiling at me. We're good. Mom, dad's here, you know. Go walking through. Here's, here's one of Torrance projects, and did a good job with that. And here's another one of Torrance projects to go with that. And, well, that's all because he doesn't turn in his work. <laughs> so... Wish I could show you more, but he's a procrastinator. I would say that the procrastination was just me waiting for divine inspiration. You know, I just got to settle in and just wait for it to be from God, you know. Does God want me finishing this science project? That's the question. Is this in God's will, you know? Any students in here so thankful for this message? You guys are like, yeah, I'm going home and telling my parents, hey, I'm going to be fine. Torrance said he didn't do his work either. No, y'all do your work. Now that I'm past it, I'm like, 
be a good student. It's a good example of Jesus. And now I'm thinking like I have a four-year-old son who's about to be five and he's starting kindergarten. And I'm praying, God, if you would be so kind, I beseech you, Lord. I know your law of seed, time, and harvest. But if you would, just let this cup pass from me. That I would not sow what I have reaped. That I would not reap what I have sown. In ignorance, God, I didn't know that it was going to all come back. (laughs) Let it pass from me. I don't know who came up with this concept of people going into the room and talking about you behind your back. Just doesn't feel good. So many of us have experienced the effects of knowing that there's conversations happening about you that you are unaware of. That there are people that would seek to undermine your influence and criticize your character and critique your calling without you knowing it. And at the same time, standing on the other side of that conversation is Jesus, who also has this propensity to talk about us behind our back. It's there that we're going to step into our scripture in Matthew 11. As we get to eavesdrop into a conversation that Jesus is having about a particular individual without them being aware of it. Matthew 11, verse 2. Are you thankful for your Bible this morning? It's a lamp unto my feet and a word. A word. What? A light unto my path. Wow. And that's the end of the sermon today, guys. I don't know my Bible. Just read the scripture, Torin. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, He sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? This is a very interesting portion of scripture because John the Baptist was a specifically commissioned messenger to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. In fact, he was the one standing in a crowd that pointed and singled Jesus out as the Messiah as he came down a dusty path to be baptized. And it is John who creates the foundation and the entry point for Jesus into humanity. And now he's questioning who Jesus is. Isn't it interesting that this man that was so filled with faith and confidence in the coming Messiah to the point of being able to identify him when no one else could finds himself in prison and looks around at his circumstance and is now questioning, are you really who you say you are? 
See, I, I saw Jesus and you came and I baptized you and there was a witness from heaven and I had this experience that confirmed what I believed about you. And now that I'm removed from that situation and I'm not in the circumstance that I thought that I would find myself is, I'm not doubting my circumstance. I'm not doubting my doubt. I'm doubting my Savior. This just doesn't seem to add up and John is looking for some type of solace, some type of affirmation that Jesus is indeed who he said he was and that he was about what he said he was going to be about. Was John doing all of this work and proclaiming this message all in vain because he had missed who Jesus was? And so he sends word, God, I I need to know, is this you or is this not you? Should I be looking for someone else? And Jesus gives him a very peculiar response. He points back to an Old Testament saying from the prophet Isaiah. He says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf here the dead are raised the poor have the good news brought to them and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me not really the answer that i would want <laughs> if i can just be honest i know you're telling me all the things that you're doing jesus and i'm thankful that the mission is going on I'm thankful that people are receiving what they need from you, but I'm not. See, he left out a part because there was also a part where he says that the captives are being set free. But here John was in captivity. Jesus, why did you leave that part out? And yet it's with this open-ended conversation statement that John is supposed to derive his consolation. And then the Bible says, "As, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. Jesus starts, or John Jesus starts talking about John behind his back. Jesus starts speaking some things about John that John was not aware of. Wouldn't it have been better if Jesus sent back word and said, John, everything's all right. I got this. You're you're good. I'm I want to give you the compliment of heaven. You you've done well. You've been faithful to the word that I called you to preach. You've you've walked out what I have commissioned you to do. But instead, he reserves those comments. To be hidden from John's knowledge. It's interesting to me that. God sometimes hides his confidence in us. That where we are looking for approval and affirmation and the compliment of heaven, it's hidden. But that doesn't stop him 
from speaking on our behalf to the crowd. See, there will always be a crowd that gathers around your calling with question. There will always be concern that is just really criticism. Jesus senses in the audience that there is a looming concern for John. Is he really who he said he was? Could this man that was a prophet now be living in doubt? John was doubting Jesus. The crowd was doubting John. And Jesus speaks up on his behalf. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? Speaking to John's gestures and his style and the way that he communicated or perhaps blowing in the wind, unstable, inconsistent. What did you go out to see? Did you go out to see someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. Truly, I tell you, pay attention now, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Jesus gives John a sterling recommendation. He says some of the most beautiful things that could be said about a person. In fact, he responds to John's critics so that John doesn't have to. There will always be a crowd around your calling, but you allow Jesus to respond to your critics. There will always be someone looking to criticize you when you should be celebrated. When you should be loved, there will always be people that leave. When you should be noted, there's always going to be people there to make sure you know that you are not it. But you do not have to clap back at your haters because Jesus speaks up for you and he speaks a better word you can't come down to low-level conversations with critics when you've been given the high calling of Jesus Christ we don't got time to talk about what I did and didn't do should and shouldn't do I'm trying to get people to Jesus I'm trying to proclaim the gospel that has saved my life and if you got a critique for me you can save it because I'm gonna lay low and watch God fight my battles oh I wish somebody has some faith in the room you show up every day at your computer and you turn on your worship music and people want to say something about you. You go on about your business and perhaps you're in a household where there isn't a lot of faith and not everybody connected to you is following Jesus and they've got criticisms for the way that you are passionate about God. Don't you clap back at them. Don't you try to stand up for yourself. Let the word of God speak a better word over your life. Y'all getting me all amped up and hyped. What did you expect to see? A, a reed shaken by the wind? Do you, you want to critique his methods because you don't know his motives. See, people don't know who you are. Distance always creates distortion. So they can only comment on what they see, not who they know. 
So the first thing that they're going to criticize in your calling is your methods. They, they, they want to critique how you do what you do. A reach? They, no, no, no. This John, John was stable. He was consistent. He was communicating with conviction. He was doing exactly what I called him to do. Don't let haters attack you at the point of your methods because your message is greater than what their attack is on your life. And then that soft robes, did he not come looking how you thought he should look? Did he not come at the status that you thought he should come to you at? You think he should be up in some royal palace? No, John is a servant of servants. He's a servant of the gospel. He's not looking for flowery words and compliments and consolation from any human being. He's looking for the approval of heaven, and he's doing it in the style and in the way that I've called him to do it. People will always try to attack you at your image because they don't get it. Well, shouldn't you, like, you're a Christian now. Shouldn't you be, like, dressing up all the time? Like, you go to a church and y'all wear casual clothes? They want to criticize the image. They want to criticize what it looks like. And then they get down to this prophet piece. You came out looking for a prophet. No, this this dude is greater than a prophet. See, prophets just talked about places and people and events. But John was talking about a place called the kingdom of heaven that would be for a people called the people of God that would be brought into the earth by a person called Jesus Christ. Don't you worry about the criticisms of people John wasn't just telling about events he was the red carpet personified for the entry of the savior of the world people may not get it but they don't have to God has commissioned you and your activity is more important than your audience Your activity is more important than your audience. I don't care if you like what I do or if you don't like it. I don't care if you like my sermons or you don't like them. I don't care if you like my songs or you don't like my songs. I don't care if you like my worship at work or if you don't like my worship. I don't care if you like my posts on Instagram about scripture and not me running around on the beach somewhere. I don't care what you want to criticize about me. I want to let you know I'm looking for two words and it's well done and it's from the God who created the universe and called me and commissioned me for his glory my activity is more important than my audience I, I wish that I wish that John could have heard all this up front though because if I was in prison That would have got me pumped up. You can do whatever you want to do to me because Jesus said I'm straight, so I'm good. I'm good. You can take anything you want from me. I have the approval of heaven. But it's hidden from him. What I love about what Jesus did in this situation was he actually, check this out, he saw the crowd's concern. And what they were concerned about, he celebrated. He took the areas that they were questioning and affirmed John in those places. 
he actually realized and brought out that there was a compliment hidden in the criticism. I'm about to throw the mic to the back. Y'all throw it back to me. Because some of y'all have been so criticized and critiqued that you don't think you can do anything right. That even when you do string a few good days together, you still got people coming out the woodworks talking about what you used to be and where you used to go. And I saw you before. I knew you before this whole Jesus thing. And they want to constantly critique you and bring up your past and criticize you. But Jesus has a way of finding the compliment in the criticism. I was talking to somebody recently and we were on uh, different sides of a particular issue and he voiced his opinion and I thought that it was good. And then I voiced my uh, opinion and he said, man, bro, you talk like a litigator, like you talk like you're a lawyer or something. I was talking to my wife later. I was like, yo, is, is being articulate a bad thing? Like, is being clear about what you're saying negative? No, of course not. See, there was a compliment hidden in that criticism. And a lot of us were surrounded by criticism. We need to start looking for the compliment inside of it. All you do is worship God. That's right. God redeemed me. He lifted me up. He brought me further than I ever thought I could be. Man, you you are really, you carry your Bible to school with you. You, you take the word with you to work. You always got your headphones in. You're in another world. Yes, I'm in another world because I'm not of this one. I'm living for the next one. There's a compliment hidden in the critique. I, I had this habit of not reading YouTube comments because there's so much ignorant people on YouTube, apparently. And then I started going, you know what? I bet you I can find some compliments in these critiques. This guy sounds just like Michael Jackson. Okay. Okay, I'll take that. Man, I don't know. I don't know if we should really be dancing like that in the church. I am the church. I dance like David danced. I, 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 I will Dougie on you so fast. The Holy Ghost taught me how to Dougie. Talking about. See, there's always a compliment hidden in the criticism. The hard part is when Jesus stands up to speak for us, we don't always get to hear it. And that's, that's, that's what I came to ask you today. Could it be at times that God hides his confidence in us? Could it be that he doesn't share the whole story about us with us? Could it be that there are some things he believes about you, says about you, and is saying about you that have been yet to be revealed? I want to tell you today, I want to remind you and encourage you that God's got hidden confidence in you. He's got hidden confidence in you. If you are breathing today, 
you still have a purpose. If you are, think about this. In 2018, God set an individual on the shelf full of gifting, talent, and ability to be pulled off and opened up into the world at this time. That's you. That's your life. That's your experiences. That's the things that you've walked through that you feel like you should be ashamed of. God uses the broken pieces of our lives to construct the platforms from which his glory is displayed. God has hidden confidence in you. He's got hidden confidence in you. Some may be against you. God is for you. Some may tear you down. God's going to build you up. Some may project their own failures and fears on you. God wants to perform the miraculous through you. God has got hidden confidence in you. Oh, give God some praise in the house. Come on, I hope somebody's being set free this morning. See, what John was dealing with were two levels of expectations. There was the crowd's expectations, and then there were Christ's expectations. And for the crowd, John was missing the mark. But the very thing that the crowd called missing the mark, Jesus called hitting the mark. I'm trying to be reserved Because Pastor Chad gets up here and he's like intelligent and stuff. I make up for it in passion. You know what I'm saying? God has a habit of this, I found. When, When we look at Job, we see that there's a conversation that was taking place behind his back. One that he wasn't privy to. As a matter of fact... Job's faithfulness got him God's consideration for trial. I wonder if God could look at our lives and say, you know what? Even if I allowed things to happen in their life, they would still choose me. They would choose me beyond their circumstances. They would choose me beyond a raise. They would choose me beyond notoriety. They would choose me beyond a house. They would choose me beyond a car. They would choose me beyond status. They would choose me beyond family. They would choose me beyond health. They would choose me even unto death. That's the hidden confidence that I have. Wouldn't it have been better, though, if God sat down with Job and said, look, the devil came talking to me about you. He was looking for someone that would openly deny me, and I said that I actually believe that you wouldn't. So here's what we're going to do. He's going to affect your life in all of these different ways. I'm going to remove the hedge. I'm going to allow him to do his thing. But don't worry. Persevere through it and stay faithful. And on the other side, I'll multiply everything that you lost. Wouldn't that have been like a better case scenario for Job? Like, okay, God, I know I'm going to go through hell, but you're going to bring me out of it onto the other side, and we're going to be good. But God kept his confidence in Job hidden. I wonder sometimes if the greatest expression of God's confidence in us is not in what he blesses us with, but what he allows us to go through. 
So many of us view the favor of God as the blessing of God and the accumulation of stuff. But what if he had so much confidence in you? He said, I could take your stuff away and you'd still praise me. What was hidden in Job's heart was, was this word. And I believe that it was something that God knew when he set Job up for it. He knew that even at the point of a deficit, God, that Job would choose praise. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We look at the blessing of God in assets. What if the blessing of God is in the deficit? Even in a deficit, God chose, or Job chose worship. He chose praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and you take away, but I'm going to bless your name through it all. God had hidden confidence in Job. This isn't an idea that we're prone to accept or love. Because we live in an age of affirmation addiction. We live life for the like button. We live life for hearts. We live life for smiley face emoticons. We live life so many times just to keep up with the people around us that we may somehow garner their approval. I wonder with John if Jesus had this understanding about him that we tend to miss. Surely the accolade from Jesus would have been like medicine to his soul. But what if John was so kingdom of heaven focused that he knew earthly affirmations were as fleeting as the days themselves and that the taste of compliments had grown dull in his mouth while the savor of well done and glory lasts for eternity. What if he was living not for the compliments of people, but the affirmation of heaven. That's been my prayer. My prayer has been, God, let me consider the opinions of others less and less, whether it's criticism or celebration. See, we want to hate on the critics And then we love the people that celebrate us. But both can be poison. Do you need a pat on the back every week? Recognition? Someone to notice you? Write you a thank you note? Send you a gift card? Post on your Facebook wall? Mention you? Do we live to be seen and approved by mere mortals when we have the stamp of approval from God himself? We're hungry for affirmation and we're missing that we're already affirmed in Jesus. 
And, and, and if we live for the approval of people, we'll die from their rejection. And if we live to be celebrated by people, we will live to be accepted and compromise our values and our and our principles just to fit in when God has called us to stand out and be different and unique in his voice in the earth. God's got hidden confidence in you. But I wonder. If we've hidden our confidence in him. Because if our confidence exists outside of the approval of God, it is always open to be attacked. As long as I'm not hiding my confidence in the word of God, it's open for fear, worry, doubt, disappointment, criticism, failure, struggle. To break my confidence down into the point where I'm asking, was that Jesus or should I look for something else? Who should I place my confidence in? David was writing in the Psalms and he said that his enemies are talking behind his back, waiting for the perfect moment to stab him in the back. He says, they're saying that surely God has abandoned him. Let's get him now. But look where he's saying these words. He didn't take these words to Twitter. He didn't take these words to Facebook. He didn't take these words to his friends. He took these words and hid them in God. Where's your confidence hidden? Is it hidden in a bank account? Is it hidden in a status? Is it hidden in a marriage? Is it hidden in the expectations you have for your kids? Where is your confidence hidden? Because if it's not hidden in Jesus, it's susceptible to be attacked. But when you hide it in Jesus... Jesus stands at guard of your confidence, your security, your peace, your hope. The Bible says it like this. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall help thy foot from being taken. See, I have hidden my confidence. My confidence is hidden in Jesus. So can't nobody get to it. Whether you ran around this church or sat the whole time I talked, my confidence is hidden in Jesus. Whether you download my song or if I'm just singing them to my kids, my confidence is hidden in Jesus. For you and the world that you're living in and the lives that you're living. If your parents aren't affirming what you're doing in your life, that's okay. My confidence is hidden in Jesus. If your brothers and sisters don't understand why you're so on the Jesus thing right now, that's all right. It's nothing personal. You can't get to me anyways. My confidence is hidden in Jesus. When your co-workers don't understand why you're so passionate about the things of God, their opinions don't sway you because your confidence has been hidden in Jesus. 
I don't need one more dollar in my bank account. I don't need one more car in the driveway. I don't need one more meal because my confidence is hidden in Jesus. He will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He is faithful. We trust him and we give him our confidence. It's hidden in him. Billy Graham recently passed and of course a lot of information now comes to the the surface again and I I was able to hear something very cool uh, about his life that has really inspired me he was asked one time in a in an interview he was asked what is in all of your life and your ministry what's something that stands out he said nothing interviewer was confused like I mean you sat with presidents you 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 sold out stadiums preaching nothing stands out no I'm waiting to hear one thing and it isn't from a man he hid his confidence You can live above the approval of the world when you live from the affirmation of God. I don't need the compliments. It's nice. Give honor where honor is due. That's cool. Love me in my love language. Cool. Share share something about that that's say say nice thing that's great we should build each other up this isn't an anti-compliment anti-edification message this is a pro-confidence in jesus message this is my life isn't built on what you think about me it's built on what jesus did for me when he died on the cross See, God saves his best compliment for last. Yeah. John didn't hear the well done on this side of eternity. But you better believe he heard it on the other. Because God saves his best compliment for last. Jay-Z recently said something I thought was funny and true, but he was saying it from a totally different perspective. He said, I don't, I don't play the trends. I play for eternity. We don't live for the trend. We don't live for the popular. We don't live for the accepted. We don't live for the approval. We live for eternity. We live for eternity. And you may be walking through something right now that is truly heartbreaking. And and I don't like when preachers get up and they talk about, yeah, you know, you may be losing it all right now, but God's good and he's going to bless you and you're going to be fine. I, I understand like what's they're attempting to communicate, but sometimes you just need people to be like, yeah, that sucks. Like, I don't need a scripture. I don't need a coffee mug with, like, a saying. 
I just need someone to go. Uh, my heart's broken for you. Yeah. And, and what I'm going to say is not an attempt to try to ease the real pain and real suffering that some people in the room have been going through emotionally, physically, spiritually. But when you have the right perspective of what you're walking through, and when you truly lay down all of the cares of this earth, you start viewing your struggles and your difficulties through the lens of eternity. And no matter what happens to me in my suffering, I know that my present sufferings are not even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. See, I'm not, my, my hope is not invested in this. My hope is in Jesus. And Jesus is seated on the throne in eternity. And the one thing I am living for and the one thing I am living from is his unconditional love for me.